Welcome to Mates in Courage, brought to you by Good News Unlimited. Be part of a conversation between Graham Hood, champion fisherman, airline pilot and school dropout, and Ali Gonzalez, wannabe fisherman and holder of more useless degrees than you can poke a stick at. What could these two possibly have in common? The fact that neither of them have anything to hide. That's what. Mates in Courage. Take a listen. Hi, Ellie. G'day, Graham. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Yes, how's the fishing been? No, no fishing. No fishing, me no. either. I'm, I'm busting to go fishing. But anyhow, let's stop talking about fishing for this one. Yeah. We should have a dedicated fishing episode where we talk about bait and... Yeah, we well, I think people would like that. Yeah, that's right. So I haven't been fishing because I haven't been able to, not allowed to. Yeah, well, I haven't been fishing for that reason and because when I fish, nothing happens. Yeah, okay. Um, I haven't worked out how to control fish. Controlling fish? Yes. Well, it helps if you think like a fish, which is swim around in circles all day and forget what you just heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, control. You feel you need to control fish? I, in the past, I have felt in my life that I need to control everything. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, I've been a bit that way too. What, what are some examples of, um, of your efforts to control that have maybe not been so successful? Well, here's, here's one. This is a key one personally for me. I always tried to get my father's approval. Mm. And to do that, I thought I had to uh, be the kind of son that he wanted. And so I really tried to control myself and uh, my actions and my words, everything I said to get his approval, but uh, that wasn't successful. It never was. And I, I think that laid the groundwork, but then I went on to become a control freak in every part of my life because that was how I learnt to manage and survive. And uh, when, when I was in business, uh, I managed some pretty substantial businesses, uh, and I was in, in the corporate world as well, in management. So I was very good at controlling everything and managing, because that's what managers do, they control. I remember you like that. Yeah, do I you? Do. Yeah. But uh, in the end, when I went off and did some, some international entrepreneurial businesses, they didn't work out either. They collapsed in a heap around me. So control didn't work out there either. So I think I've been on a journey of relaxation of control. I think God's trying to teach me that um, control isn't necessarily the way to success and it can be very harmful and it's much better to, to let go. Let go and let what? Let go and let God. Okay. Tell, tell me, Graham. I mean, it's just fascinating to have a window on yourself. When you say you remember me like that, what was I like? Oh, you were very rigid. Your control made you, made you rigid. I mean, everything had to run on Ellie's rails. I could still see through all of that. I, I could see your heart way back then. I've been able to, particularly in the last decade or so, it's not hard to read people's pain. Mm. And I, I could see that you're in pain. I didn't know how to broach that or whether I was meant to broach it or not or, or what was going to happen from it. But as we've talked about, when we first met, I gave you a hug and you felt like a telegraph pole. Mm. And now you feel like a marshmallow, so... That's pretty go. good. That's pretty good. But except we're not allowed to technically hug at the moment because of the pandemic. Yeah, well, I'm virtually hugging. Yeah, there, okay. right now. You had very strict rules on everything. Mm. Your version of black and white was the version of black and white. Yep, definitely. Yep, and you could actually see it in your family. 
your family were very much under control. I remember watching you and and uh, your kids playing violin at the front of the church, mm-hmm. and it was all very controlled. Well, and you'd, you'd wanted to be controlled if I'm playing the violin with my kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, now you're just you're just very different. I'm happier. You are happy. You're more yeah. at peace with the world. Yeah. Mm. So is that because you've given up on control? Well, or have you given up? No, I'm on a journey, but giving up control is part of it. I mean, I've given up a lot of control, and that's very hard to do. It's like ripping out parts of your insides that you think are essential, vital organs. Yeah, you know, it kind of feels like that, but they're not. They're actually harmful. What human emotion do you think it was that drove your control? The need for acceptance, the need for love, or a fear of not being loved. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, we were the talking fear of not being loved. Yeah, we were talking earlier on, actually, weren't we? Over breakfast about um, the greatest pain in any human being is that pain of being rejected and not being loved. Yeah, that's right. That pain is so severe. I think we live in fear of experiencing it. Mm. And that drove me to control everything that happened in my environment. Yeah, because the more that I controlled, the less risk that there was that I would experience that pain of rejection Mm. you know if i gave a good performance on the violin then uh, people would like me more and not Mm -hmm. reject me if uh, i did something good in business kicked a goal then people would think good of me and not reject me Mm. you know if my family looked good and uh, looked like everyone was on the rails then again it it was more likely that uh, i'd be not rejected and accepted. So yeah. that's that's the sort of reasoning. But the other thing is uh, that in our society, we, more broadly, we expect men to be in control, don't we? It's part of what it means to be a man in our society. Yeah, I've never fitted into that. You haven't? No, I mean, I, I, I agree with you that that's the expectation of society that men are in control. But then when men appear to be in control, these days they're, uh, they're brought asunder by society who says that they have too much control. Well, that's why men don't know how to be men anymore because they're completely confused. They are confused. The goalposts keep getting shifted all the time and I think that brings a lot of insecurity. We don't know. We're all caught up in performing for other people Mm -hmm. and um, especially for each other. You know, the competitive uh, realm that men live in with each other is can be quite destructive. Mm. I like to free myself of that. I've had to consciously do that because I realise that I just can't compete, that I've never been able to compete or measure up whenever I've been in control. So the best thing to do is to live and let live, and I just, uh, I've, I've backed away from it a lot. Well, I've, I've learnt that too. It doesn't work. No. It, you just destroy yourself yeah. mentally. I mean, the drive to control means that no one ever knows that you're dying inside because no. the appearance outside, you know, externally is you've got it all together and you're successful. Um, I, I remember when I was, uh, I was doing some uh, blue sky entrepreneurial international businesses and I was uh, travelling traveling around Asia, right? And, what, uh, selling blue sky? Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, no, it was a, a tech a tech business, okay. tech yep. startup, yep. and we were raising uh, millions of dollars. Um, I've done some interesting things in the past, but I actually had nothing like in the bank account because you're expected to work for, for nothing when you're an entrepreneur, mm. basically, if, if you're looking for capital from, uh, from investors. And I remember uh, with my business partner being in Hong Kong, for example, and uh, we bought ourselves fake watches from the markets, right? Mm. Uh, 
Rolex and Tag Heuer's and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we had our best clothes on. And, and I remember he went to, uh, we stayed in a really expensive, ho- you know, five-star hotel uh, one night. Yeah. Uh, just so we could get the cards from the hotel. Yeah. And then the other nights we stayed in a, a much cheaper, you know, bottom-end four-star hotel, really. Yeah. Or, you know, three-plus. A dump. No, not a dump, but, but nowhere near like the five-star hotel. You're so, a fake, Kelly. So, so that in our business meetings, you know, we could, we could show the, you know, when they say, they would always ask, you know, in Asia, the image is very important. Mm. They'd always ask, what hotel there are you staying in? It's not because they wanted to visit you, it's because they wanted to assess how much money you had, you know, how credible you were. They measure everything by money. Yep. And so, so, you know, we would show them the, the card from the five-star hotel where we'd stayed one night. And we do all these sorts of things. Um, and it was all about control too, isn't it? It's about controlling your appearances and what people think of you. But on the back end, behind the scenes, it's all fake. I couldn't agree with you more. It's uh, The fakeness of control is what brings us undone. Like, for example, I asked a question of a men's group recently. Do you think you deserve the spouse that you have, the mm. partner you have? Mm. And... I kind of knew that most of the guys in the group didn't Ooh. feel that way. And what what I realised is that your fear of not deserving to be in the relationship you're in, that fear is based on the fact that one day your spouse is going to realise that you're not Ooh. who you say you are or who they have always thought you were, Ooh. and they're going to end up leaving you or going somewhere else. So in many ways, the thing that we're afraid of that leads to the control that we implement to stop that from happening actually causes it to happen. My response to your question is yes. I believe I deserve my wife that I have. Good. I probably wouldn't have said that before, but I really do believe that. But when I was talking before and you said, you're all fake, Ellie. Yeah. You know, I, I just thought quickly about that. And my first response to that would probably be, be yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you performing for this microphone? No, no, I'm not. But in terms of how I view myself, you know, my own self-doubts yeah. and what I've struggled with all my life yeah. uh, that was, I started talking about in the beginning, yeah. you know, I always have that question at the forefront of my mind. You know, yeah. if you accuse me of being fake, I know I'm not now because I've got a lot more self-awareness. I that think. was tongue-in-cheek, by the way. I know. But, yeah, I have a real issue with, with my worth. Yeah. And so my first response still would probably be, yes, I am. Yeah. It would probably be, yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. So then the next question is, why do you feel you need to be? It's still that control issue. Hmm. You know, it's still, that, it's still there. I don't think we ever become different people, right? So the Ellie you knew 10 years ago is still the same Ellie today. Um, just like an addiction, you know, if you've been an alcoholic, for example... You know, you're always an addict. Yeah. I think, and I think the issue of control is still there, no matter how much you've progressed. Um, there's always a temptation. Yeah. You know, the easy way out is to try to control, to feel safer, and to not feel the fear. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not there. I've come a long way, but that's still the default position if I don't keep my my mind strong. Well, let's look at the acronym for uh, fear and. Uh it's been said that fear is false evidence appearing real. And that was the case in my life for many, many years. Well, for a start, my own impression of myself 
was that of a low life. I just I just subconsciously saw myself as a low life, and how how or why would anyone want to be in a relationship with me? And I see that was was false because I wasn't I was behaving in a bad way, but I wasn't a low life because I wasn't getting any pleasure out of being a low life. Mm. It was just what I thought was my destiny because of programming as a kid and and pornography addiction did that to me too so uh false evidence appearing real can drive you to perform in order that other people don't see the real you Mm. when you feel you're a scumbag deep down you'll go out and uh and perform like crazy to create the opposite impression and that's control in its ultimate form you haven't been a low life for me graham you've been a highlight in my life well, that's great, and, and that's I'm getting that now. But I'm getting that I'm I'm able to actually look in the mirror without cringing mm. anymore. Not because I like the grey hairs and the wrinkles, <laughs> but it's because I actually like the heart that lives in the chest of the man I'm looking at now. It's mm. it's closer to being real, and it's closer to being really honest with itself, and I'm filling it with as much love that I can to pass on to others and the passing on to others generates more I like the heart in there too yeah and this is the passing on passing it on to others that we're doing now too it's part of it isn't it well it is that's right yeah and the one thing I realized was and flying has done this for me uh I may have talked in previous episodes there was an Air France Airbus that crashed into the Atlantic several Mm. years ago Mm. Uh, the flight took off from Rio de Janeiro bound for for Charles de Gaulle in Paris the captain went back to the crew rest to have a sleep not long after takeoff as they were working in shifts there were three pilots on the flight deck so while one was sleeping two others were sitting up the front monitoring everything the most junior of the two pilots who was left up the front after the captain went to have a sleep was given control of the aircraft so he was manipulating the Mm -hmm. autopilot and making sure that it was functioning properly while that was happening they inadvertently in the dark flew into the top of a storm which iced up their airspeed sensing equipment which speaks to a whole bunch of computers in the aeroplane mm-hmm. and the computers were actually being told by the iced up sensors that there was no airspeed and the aeroplane was in a stall mm. and it reacted in a way the probes that actually are meant to be kept warm so they mm-hmm. don't ice up the the system hadn't worked and so the computers are screaming out a whole lot of erroneous messages to them the the instrumentation on the flight deck was giving them confusion. And so they had all these oral and visual cues telling them different things. Mm. At no stage did the most senior pilot in the cockpit then take control from the most junior pilot. And because the Airbus has a joystick on each side, it doesn't have a control wheel column in the middle like other aircraft Mm. do. It's a little joystick at the side. And that joystick isn't visible to the pilot on the other side. So you can't tell what the other pilot's doing with the joystick. The other pilot, thinking that the aeroplane was falling from the sky because of the the erroneous instrument readings, Mm. was holding the joystick back and they were increasing power and the aeroplane still kept falling from the sky apparently until it got to a stage where the ice disintegrated off the probes and they all started to work properly and then the information became real because the aeroplane had been put into a store by the reaction of the most junior pilot mm-hmm. on the flight deck. Uh, it wasn't until the aeroplane was about to plummet into the ocean at supersonic speed that the captain was able to fight his way back to the flight deck mm-hmm. and realise that the guy in control was actually 
putting the aircraft into a stall which crashed mm. it into the ocean. Now, in the subsequent investigation, the aeroplane was, it was revealed that if they just let go of the controls, the aeroplane would have flown itself. Mm-hmm. It would have eventually flown itself out. Mm. But so frightened were they of what they were seeing that they felt that they had ultimate control and mm. that control is what killed them. Mm. And I remember once when I was learning to fly, an instructor told me, we went up to about 8,000 feet and he said, look at the floor, don't look outside. And he said, I'm going to put the aeroplane in an unusual attitude and I want you to recover from it. So when he said, look up, the aeroplane was, you know, on its side and pointing at the ground and it was starting to go into a spin, Mm. deliberately put there. And he was wanting to see how I reacted. My first reaction was to over control it and it made it worse. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, that didn't go well. Now let's do it again. And he said, let me demonstrate it. And so he demonstrated it. And when the aeroplane got into a situation where it looked like it was going out of control, mm-hmm. he just let go. Mm. And the stability built into the aeroplane caused it to actually start to fly itself until such time as you could work out where it was and what it was doing and then implement the right control forces to get it to where it should be. Mm-hmm. And I've realised in life that's what we're like. Sometimes we over-control. Mm. And when we over-control, we create disasters. We, we don't take into account the inherent stability that lives in our relationships. Mm. Well, let's look at a marriage, for example. If people love each other, and they have done from the beginning, mm. that puts in automatically an inherent stability in the relationship that should be able to ride out the turbulence of the storms that lay ahead if people rely on it. Mm-hmm. But because we don't rely on the love to hold it together, we put in place a whole lot of other mechanisms that we think are going to make us safe. And what mm. they actually do is put us in an over-control situation mm. that quite often we can't recover from. Mm. So I'm a firm believer in now the less control I impart on relationships, the mm. more control I have. Because if the fear that drives my control is the fear of losing someone I love... Mm. Nothing will make that happen more than my over-controlling. Mm. You're very right. I'm in that recovery mode now. Yeah. Mm. And, and I've seen you relinquish control of a lot of stuff in relationships that have, has actually made you happy even amidst some turmoil. Mm. So it's nice to think that, you know what, there is some inherent stability in a lot of the things that we worry about. Mm. I mean, we live in a country, fortunately, where starvation on a massive scale is unheard of. Mm. And you you really have to wonder what you'd have to do in Australia to starve to death because there's always there's always hope out there. There's always someone out there who will help you if you're in mm. trouble. Mm. But in order to, to get that help, you have to let go of control and admit mm. that you, you don't have control and you need help. That's the hardest thing to do. It it's is. the first step, yeah. but it's the hardest thing to do. But if you do it often enough, you'll see the success in it. And it and, and, and that's where I've been. I've actually had to do it so many times mm. because my out of control has been disaster. And, and what we do is we we actually convince ourselves that that where we are is fine. Yeah. And how we're relating to others is fine because society tells us that's the right way to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. The right way to be a man. What about you, Graham? Have you ever had a problem with control? All the time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely all the time. I mean, I got into massive debt because of my desire to buy people's affection. My mother did the same thing. My mother. I wish someone would buy my affection like that. 
Well, that's right. Everybody <laughs> wants to be in the receiving end of it. But, I mean, I, I almost lost everything. I'm, I'm not in a very good financial position for my future in retirement at the moment because I put myself into too much debt early to impress people. Mm-hmm. Because so much was my self-loathing that I, I had to, if I couldn't get people to love me by being me, then I had yep. to I had to pay for a mask and I had to buy their affections. Like if we went out with friends for dinner, I'd always pay the bill, mm. even though they were better healed than I was because I wanted them to say, oh, isn't he generous? Mm. I don't do that anymore. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, well, you'd probably go out to dinner with me more often if we did that. Yeah. Mm. No, but I... I don't have the need to do that anymore. Yep. So, and my control, oh, look, nothing like an addiction. Mm. Nothing like an addiction to get you into that mode. What do you mean? If people knew how black you were on the inside. Oh, yeah. So you really have to ramp up your appearances on the outside. And mm. That, mm. that requires immense control, massive amounts of control and over-controlling. Mm. I'm sometimes suspicious of a lot of people who say, you know, anyone who watches pornography, they're, they're you know, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. They ought to be disgusted. Uh, methinks he protesteth too much, mm. you know. And I've seen a lot of people with that viewpoint come to me later in their life and say, you know, I've had a raging porn addiction since I was 12. I need your help. And it's almost like you don't like to say I told you so, but you knew that they had an underlying issue. Mm. Some addictions are cause behaviours that should be abhorrent to society and they do cause behaviours that are abhorrent mm. to society. If we replace that condemnation of those who are addicted with a love and a desire to see them overcome the pain that causes mm-hmm. it, that's the best way to overcome control. You know, in, in this country and in most democratic countries, we lock people up who behave badly. Mm. Very seldom do the courts ever ask, what caused that behaviour mm. that made them put them in a situation where we need to lock them up mm. prisons are full of people who have never felt loved in their lives you know that's an interesting thought that the antidote to control is love and acceptance yeah it is Isn't it fascinating and it starts with yourself yeah i mean i i, I think we're too self-obsessed in this world at the moment yeah that's don't... true the the more that i have been able to accept myself and love myself for who i am the, the way the, the bible says you know yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with loving yourself if that love is grounded in the love that God has for you. That's right. You know? That's right. The more that I've been able to do that, the more that that I've been able to see how stupid control is as a means to achieving those things. Yeah, and I think God wants us to, to love ourselves in a way that we respect our bodies and we respect our character mm-hmm. and we respect our spirit because they're things that need to be Mind, body, and spirit are very important. Mm. And uh, there's like a three-in-one entity happening in us, in our mind and our body and spirit. And God wants us to love that that's been given to us Mm. in a way that we respect it and make decisions that are going to help us make better decisions in the future. Mm. But there's a love of self in that regard and there's a love of self that drives you to forever be perpetually taking selfies and putting your face on Mm. Facebook. And, And to me, that's just look at me not aren't I good, but do I look good? Do mm-hmm. I look good to mm-hmm. you? Because, uh, or can you see my darkness? Yeah. It's sad. And and how many people do we know on social media in particular who pride themselves on how many followers they've got and how many friends they've got? 
you know, somebody can have a hundred thousand or a million friends or whatever, but when your house is burning down, where are they? That's it. Where are they? Yeah. They're just in the ether. Hmm. I'm glad that at least in one area of your life you've exercised some control. Mm, what's that? That is in the cockpit when you've had to. That's an interesting point because the control that I'm meant to have in the cockpit is the utilisation of all the resources that are available to me and that is other human beings. Mm. Ultimately in the cockpit, my name's the one on the flight plan mm. as the captain. I sign the flight plan so I accept responsibility for the aeroplane. But I can't function and make sure that the outcomes are controlled safely unless I utilise all of the resources of the people I'm working with and all of the resources, that's resources of the people in the aeroplane, mm -hmm. the co-pilot, the crew members in the cabin. Externally, it's the air traffic controllers and via the company radio network, the engineers that might help me solve a mechanical problem. Mm -hmm. And I tell you this for a fact, unless you're vulnerable, you're not utilising those resources to their maximum ability. Mm. Anybody who's ultimately a control freak doesn't do that job very mm. well because I'm forever admitting to some of my crew members that at this very moment, I'm not quite sure what the best solution is to this problem. Mm. What do you think? Mm. And then when I get all that information from as many people as I can in the time allotted to me, that's when I will get a consensus if I need to, or if I have to act in a hurry, then I'll make a decision based on the best information I have. Yeah, well, you see, that's not, um, that's not the perception that the public have of pilots. Well, it's a, it's a healthy perception that they should have because it's, uh, it's not that it takes a committee to fly an aeroplane. It doesn't. Mm. Um, it takes a committee to design one. Mm. And ultimately, we all have a high regard for our professionalism that, you know, the, the worst thing we want to do is, uh, is put anybody or the aeroplane at risk. Mm. But we know for a fact, um, and I've taught human factors for many years in the airline, and human mm. factors is understanding how ego and over-controlling and protecting <laughs> an image and pride can bring an aeroplane down. Mm. Because there are some aircraft that have crashed because the captain is so busy controlling everything that he hasn't been able to hear the first officer say, you haven't put the landing gear down, Skipper. I'm imagining, I'm talking about pilots, mm -hmm. that there's conflicting messages there. Because mm -hmm. on the other one, we're talking about appearances. On the one hand, you've got the, the image of what it means to be an airline pilot, mm -hmm. the uniform and the, and the whatnot, and, and the perception from the public that you're in charge. You're in control of absolutely everything. And then there's the reality that is what you're telling me now, that to be a, a good airline pilot, you need vulnerability. You yeah. actually need to share control. Yeah. Sometimes give up control. Exactly. There are times when, um, when somebody else has got more information, the latest information, and, we, and we've got models that we use to, um, to share information and analyse oh. the problems before we go to the solution and things like that. And that people who are over-controlling, they, they automatically assume what the problem is and they go to the solution that's actually not fixing oh, the problem. Oh, that used to be me. And me. Oh, there's, then there's so many life lessons in what we've just been talking about there. There the, is. The cockpit I mean, isn't there. We've done, uh, I've done human factors um, programs for medical teams, for surgical teams, mm -hmm. because, you know, the surgeon is often seen as having a God complex, like a lot of captains do in airlines around the world. Mm. And that is served by that, that thing you talked about, that image of being in control, the uniform and all that. 
that's quite often a mask. I'd guess from what you're saying that underlying that there's a lot of addictions. In everything in, in society. Yeah. I mean, for example, uh, in my role at work, I've come home in my first marriage mm. uh, as the captain, mm. not as the dad or the husband. I've mm. come home as the captain. Because when you fall short and control doesn't work for you, you know, it will send you to alcohol, pornography, yeah. or chemicals, or yeah. all sorts of addictions. The only time I ever felt successful in my first marriage was when I had the uniform on and I was being the pilot at work. And when I came home, I felt a dismal failure as a father and a husband. Mm. So I'd come home and I'd still be in that mode where I felt the most control, and that was the captain of the aeroplane. Mm. Well, that's sad. It was sad. Yeah. But the realisation of that is actually good. And that is? And that is that I don't have to do that anymore. My identity is in is in Jesus Christ now. and mm. It's what he thinks of me that's most important. I love you dearly as a mate, but I tell you what, uh, what you think of me has got nothing to do with me. It's That's your business. I can't influence that. Uh, if, I, if I'm not influencing your opinion of me by just being me, then we shouldn't be friends. So you'll know how to take a compliment from me when I say a nice thing about you? Yeah, I'm learning to do that. Well, that's good. That's, that's the other side of control, yeah. isn't it? You know, like mm. when somebody says, wow, I mean, this morning you, you're learning to play flamenco guitar. Mm. and um, you've been doing it for a year and you got this beautiful instrument out this morning and you played for Michelle and I and it was really, really good, <laughs> especially given that you were playing for a year. But here's the funny thing I noticed about that whole experience with you mm. getting your guitar out. You spent half an hour justifying how bad you were at it. That's it. <laughs> before you started playing it. <laughs> and then all the way through it, you'd go, oops, I made a mistake there or whatever. But had you not well, said not it, all the way through. Yeah, you did. Mm. It was like, oops. Da 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 da. Oops. Da 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 da. Oops. Oops. And in actual fact, if you just kept playing, we wouldn't have even noticed. Like I've noticed when Michelle cooks a meal uh, for friends, she'll put it on the table and she say, "Oh, it's probably too dry. I probably yeah. put too much salt in it, or I probably put too much flavouring." And I, I always laugh because it's always beautiful. And then, and she's always making excuses to subordinate the compliments that will probably come when people eat it. She doesn't feel she deserves it because she's a hack in mm. the kitchen. And that's not who she is at all. That's just her opinion. Yeah. I'm average at most things I do. I'm an average pilot. I'm an average father. I'm an average husband. There's, I'm an you, average... there's you subordinating your no. your abilities. Yes, you are. No, but you saying that is because you think average is subordinate. Average is good. No, it's because I think you're exceptional. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, but So just, uh, just take it and stop trying to control and minimise my view of you. Just, just let it flow. There's, there's a self-protection in that because there was a time when I used to thrive on being uplifted by other people because oh, I me. desperately needed that's it. That's me too. But I don't need it anymore. That's I, why I controlled everything to get yeah, that, yeah, right? And you yeah. knew me then. No, we don't need it anymore, do we? We don't. We found something better, something that addresses the issues of fear and acceptance yeah. and, and here's confidence. A, here's a segue into my favourite word in my old age. My no, not my old age. In my um, heightened experience of life. Okay, that sounds better. My favourite word is mellow. Mellow. The experience that we've had that makes us recognise that the fears we've grounded our control in have just been false evidence appearing real. You know, there's a the thing in aviation: always think of the worst thing that can happen and don't let it. That's true in aviation. Yeah, you know, make sure you cover all the boxes, and and it's true in a lot of things in life, but. 
but in, in, in actual fact, we can live too much in the fear of, oh, you know, we can't do that because this might happen. Once I get to reach the status of having had heightened experience in life, as you claim to, I'd like to be mellow too. No, I'm not claiming heightened experience. I'm just claiming an ongoing... <laughs> claiming a heightened experience is saying, like, the journey's finished. Oh, okay. It's only just beginning when you become mellow because then you start looking at everything oh, through that's a mellow good. lens. That's good. And the other thing about mellow is it makes me think about marshmallow, which is really nice to eat. That's it. I don't want to be one of those cranky old fellas. No, no. Oh, no. no. Make your life miserable. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine how, how bitter they are, they are inside. Oh, dear. Well, you know that because your dad was that. That's it. My yeah. dad my dad was mellow at the end. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that uh, no one who listens to these podcasts will end up a cranky old fella. No. These podcasts should help people mellow. That's one of my one of the reasons I want to do these things with you is in the hope that it'll reach enough guys to realise that they can be mellow. Yeah. I still think the greatest measure of a man is not how often he draws his sword but how often mm. he chooses not to. Yeah. And that comes from mellow. And what's that saying you keep saying, Graeme? Let go and... Let God. Yeah. I love you like a brother. Love you too, mate. Talk to you soon. We should do this again. We We might work together one day. See you, Ellie. Bye. Bye. Mates in Courage. Brought to you by Good News Unlimited. To sign up for Graham and Ellie's daily spiritual message emails about recovering from addictions, hurts and hang-ups, visit goodnewsunlimited.com. To book Graham and Ellie for talks, get in touch at the same website. And if you're troubled by anything you've heard, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or an equivalent service in your own country. Thanks for listening. Mates in Courage. Catch you in the next episode.